Hello, Lori King-Taylor. Hello, Lori Gurrell. How are you today? I am fantastic. The sun is shining. The birds are singing. A glorious day to talk about emotional intelligence. Yeah, let's keep that conversation going because I know we have a lot of people excited about what we're talking about here. So as a quick recap, emotional intelligence, it's our ability to understand and use our emotions in positive ways, and it can help us relieve stress, communicate more effectively, it can help us empathize, even overcome challenges and diffuse conflict. So it's like this magic bullet here that we can learn from. It can also help us build strong relationships and achieve our personal and professional goals. So how we do emotional intelligence is really the most critical in times of change, conflict, and stress. Hmm. Not that we've had any of that here lately. No, just absolutely none. But we might as well give this information to prepare everyone so when there is time of change, conflict, and stress. Absolutely. Let's do it. Okay. So in our last episode, we covered self-awareness, and that is the gateway to what we're going to talk about today in self-management. So once we can identify our triggers in those nagging self-limiting conversations, we can then take it to the next step. And using that data we've been gathering for rewiring how we respond. So self-management for today's topic, it is the next step. And it's the opportunity to deconstruct our inner dialogue so we can decide where we can most appropriately take action, right? So that we can be, move forward. We can be more clear. I say even graceful when we're taking our action. Mm -hmm. So the rewiring comes from that data, like I said, we've been gathering during the self-assessment that we did uh, as part of our self-awareness building. And then the deconstruction process comes in. So let's jump in where we can put some meaning and relevance behind what we're talking about here. Why don't you, Lori King-Taylor, kick us off with a quick recap of the self-awareness. So for somebody who didn't listen to the last episode, we can pull them in so they know where we're headed today. So self-awareness is that foundational skill that we have to have um, before we can move forward really with any relationship. It's that time when you get to know yourself better. Take some time to really look inside and determine, you know, what is my communication style? How am I motivated? What triggers me emotionally? How do I respond to events? And just gathering, like you said, gathering that data about ourselves, you know, look inward before you begin to look outward. So we're going to use that concept of triggers that you just mentioned here that we talked about before and pulling this apart with just one trigger to illustrate. And you had a really interesting scenario you brought forth the last, can you bring that back around for us? Yeah. So in the last episode, we talked a couple of different triggers, but one particular trigger I think that we could dissect a little bit more is that foreshadowing where the example I used was your boss sends you an email at five o'clock on Friday afternoon that says, I need to see you in my office at eight o'clock Monday morning. Boss turns off the computer, jumps on a plane, goes to Tahiti. So you have no opportunity for communication with this individual again until eight o'clock Monday morning when you are to appear in their office. So what triggers you at that moment? Yeah, and some of the things we talked about are really in that scenario, 
no one said what was going to happen, but we automatically jumped to a conclusion. What is going to happen at eight o'clock on Monday morning? And the conclusion is usually a negative one. I know when I use this example in my classes, it's hysterical because I don't get the entire example out of my mouth before there's this collective groan in the audience and they all are like, oh, just ruined my weekend. And my, my question back to them is, why? There was nothing in the email that was negative. The email only stated that you need to be in the boss's office at eight o'clock Monday morning. So why do we automatically go to just ruin my weekend? And this is such a perfect one to use a tool that I share with my clients to deconstruct these trigger conversations because they take up a lot of our energy. Mm -hmm. So between Friday, when they get that email to Monday morning, they've put a lot of time and thought into that. And so it wasn't the boss that necessarily ruined their meeting. It's the energy that they put into it from that foreshadowing or what I call forecasting what mm -hmm. it was all about. So if I were to use that example and I would say, all right, you get that email and you, you tell your best friend, oh my gosh, I just got this email. Can you believe it? My boss is such a jerk. We're going to use that as the jumping off point for deconstructing one of these conversations because I want to give everyone a way to step back and observe what their brain is doing, how their brain has constructed this brilliant conversation. Little gremlins are moving around <laughs> up in there. <laughs> they are. And if we can step away from them, we can find that humor. You and I are laughing. Somebody that's had this email, they're like, what's so funny about this? Right? You and I know that we can find some humor in it once mm -hmm. we step back and see what was happening. So if I am focused on my boss being a jerk, I'm naturally going to gather evidence for that. So when I tell my best friend about what a jerk my boss is, I'm going to be able to list the reasons why. So he sends an email and then he jumps on the plane and goes to Tahiti. He leaves me hanging. You know what? As a matter of fact, he does this all the time. And sometimes it's just at the end of the day. He wants to see me the next morning and doesn't tell me what it's about. Hey, you know, when we talked about uh, in the last episode, when information enters your brain, it goes into that limbic system and, and your amygdala is there, Amy, as I call her, and it's that survival mode where she's like, oh my gosh, what does this mean? She talks to the hippocampus who's retrieving those long-term memories. So like you're saying, there may have been one or two occasions in the past where this has happened and we tend to blow it up. So when the hippocampus says something to Amy, oh, this has happened a time or two in the past, Amy just goes into full survival mode. Oh my gosh, you know, the sky is falling. He's done this a gazillion times. So I know it's got to be negative because everything that he's ever done is negative. It's like we did a Google search with our hippocampus, right? And we that's, that's a good example. <laughs> yeah. So we type in boss's work and it pulled out 10 pages of search results. Now, because they're not paid search results, they're a little haphazard. They don't always make sense. And it's like our, that hippocampus is just throwing them out at us without any order. There's no Dewey Decimal System way that stuff comes back out at us. Um, and, so and unfortunately, the negative emotions and those negative thoughts are more powerful and more overriding than the positive ones. 
So that's the ones that are going to get thrown out more often. Absolutely. We are that Google search, right? It's a negativity gathering machine. Mm -hmm. And and that fuels these conversations. So you can imagine calling your bestie and saying, hey, this is what happened. And I'm going to tell you all about it. I'm going to give you all of that evidence that says, I told you he is an absolute jerk. And your bestie is going to want to support you. And oh my so gosh. Therefore, they're going to reinforce everything that you're saying. Yeah. They jump right in that box with us. Mm-hmm. So we jump in that box and we're talking. So to go along with the deconstructing of the conversation. So first you're identifying what you're saying to yourself and that my boss is a jerk. Then as you're continuing to deconstruct, you're saying all this evidence that supports that conclusion that I'm focusing on. Well, the third step in dissecting this becomes when I'm focused on him being a jerk, listing all the reasons why, there's something that goes on for me, how I'm behaving. Mm -hmm. So I might get all wound up. My stomach might be in a knot thinking about Monday morning at eight o'clock. Some people get headaches. But a lot of what I would put into this category of dissection is it's a great time to identify whether those Amy thoughts or those monkey mind thoughts that we talked about last time, right? I might completely go into feeling like I'm a victim to this jerk of a boss, Mm -hmm. or I might be really defensive about what he might be talking about. I'm already ready to defend myself. Mm -hmm. So those are things that you would, in this process of dissection, identify. What are my physical reactions to this, what's not spinning around in my head from these Amy monkey mind conversations. And it's a really great way to look at how our brain is putting all of this stuff together, right? This is showing that initial how we are wired to think. Mm -hmm. So we're focused on him being a jerk. We can tell you all the reasons why we identify how we are behaving. Then the next step is to say, okay, this is the chain that I've got going on. At the end of this, what result am I getting, right? And typically that result will further point to that original conclusion that he's a boss, right? Um, maybe he tried that re- he's a negative jerk. Yeah. yeah. And so he tried to respond to him and ask for details about what's the meeting about and he didn't respond to you. Well, he's in Tahiti. Oh, that just makes things all the worse. <laughs> yeah. So that response that you get often reinforces that original conclusion. So you, you can see if we put this chain into a circle, it will just keep going around because we're going to be able to reinforce the conclusion, put more evidence in that. So, hey, he didn't respond when I asked for clarification. And we're just going to keep going around this loop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We have to break the cycle. This isn't about defying you're right, he's right, no one's right. That's not what this is about. So if our focus is going to that original conclusion, and as we talked about earlier, it's taking up a lot of energy. It's probably ruined our entire weekend. So as soon as we can catch ourselves to stop and do this dissection so we can see where we are focusing, Because when we can identify that, and if I say, oh, I am focused on him being a jerk, then that's the place where I have control over changing. Mm -hmm. I can 
change what I'm focusing on. And I think that's the key is that when we're in the rational part of our brain is to remember when these things happen is we have to stop the cycle and it's called pattern interruption. And with pattern interruption, as Amy is talking to that hippocampus, we have to be able to stop that. So when that first negative thought enters your brain, that's when you say, no, Amy, not today. It really does break that connection. And then you refocus back to what is something positive that I can say instead of something negative. And using that more positive language, instead of Amy saying, oh, you're getting fired on Monday morning, you're going to say, no, Amy, not today, and be able to say, oh, I'm sure he has something neutral that he needs to talk to me about. Maybe he needs to talk about budget. and Maybe he needs to, you know, whatever's going on in your business at the time that's positive, you know, refocusing at that particular moment and breaking that cycle. And sometimes it's hard to shift to positivity when you're in the middle of it. Oh, definitely is because we are so geared towards negativity. Negative emotions, negative thoughts are far more powerful than positive ones. Absolutely. So when I talk to people about breaking that cycle, I ask them to go to what I call intentions. So for me, if I'm going to get out of the cycle of focusing on someone being a jerk, instead of making him into something positive, I'm going to focus on myself being a well-respected professional when I show up to that meeting so that I'm more interested in my behavior because that's the place I have control. Yeah. Absolutely. I behave. So if I'm more interested in being a well-respected professional or I'm more interested in being a visionary leader, right? I show up that way rather than the spin of all of the, the monkey mind conversations that were going on. I've refocused and I take my actions from that place of visionary leader or well-respected professional. Right. So what we're doing, this observing and this dissecting and the pattern interruption, just so everyone understands, this is all part of our humanness. Right. You called it the human condition the in our human last condition. This is, it's just what we do. So it's not for this to make anyone wrong, for no one to feel bad that they have these reactions, that they have these Amy monkey mind conversations. It's not a slap on the hands. It's breaking it down so that you can choose how to rewire because our wiring is old, right? It's going to take some time and practice to rewire. Exactly. So our brains have pretty much been wired since we were born. How we were raised, uh, things we were taught by our parents, our environments, all of that has been wired into us, you know, from the get-go, when we entered the workforce, um, how our supervisors in the past have behaved, how our peers, you know, how things operate, how the culture is in our company. We've all continually wired our brains that way. I refer to it a lot as when you go to the beach and you draw a line in the sand, and you draw the same line with that stick over and over again a thousand times, you've got this deep divot in that sand. And when the water comes up, it fills this divot. So it 
that's where the water goes every time. To rewire our brains and to retrain our brains, we have to draw new lines, that new wiring in our brains. Well, just as when you go to the beach, if you just draw one new line, when the water comes in, it's still going to go to the old divot because that's the one that's the deepest. And we have to give it time in doing the, the, the new process over and over and over again until that divot in the sand becomes as deep or deeper than the other one. And erosion has had the time to clear out the old divot. And then it becomes a natural part of how you do things. So I want to do something that's really fresh as a dissection. So we use the original, my boss is a jerk. I'll tell you all the reasons why. When I'm focused on that, this is how I feel. This is how I behave. And these are the results I get. So we focused on that. So I'm going to give you a super recent one. Awesome. Getting ready to report, record this podcast. Okay. <laughs> I hear the printer going off here in my office. And I know I didn't set the printer off. And I automatically could feel the frustration, right? There's my monkey mind, that Amy going on. I could just feel it having a response. And as I'm dissecting it, I am focused on my husband is inconsiderate. So he knows I'm recording a podcast. Yeah. So there's my conclusion. I'm going to tell you why. And this one can be quick. My husband is inconsiderate because he sent something to my printer rather than his own. He must have run out of ink. So he's going to use mine, right? So then if we, we keep the dissection going on and how do I show up? Well, uh, back to the last episode when I have Velcro on my hand and Velcro on my forehead, hand goes to forehead, poor me and my Scarlett O'Hara moment. I'm completely a victim to his behavior, right? right. I, I feel myself getting tense, right? There's where, whatever I'm feeling, what am I thinking? And so if I would have stormed out of here and said, what are you thinking, right? Chances are I would get a response out of him that would have happened in a split second that his monkey mind would have responded to mine. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And that what fuels so much of our problems that we have working with each other or surviving, living with each other. Because yeah. when you go into that attack mode, Amy, monkey mind, goes into the defense mode. So then it just becomes a, a war of the wills. Yeah, so if, if I stayed focused in that, I could probably dig deep and find all kinds of evidence to support that he's inconsiderate. Instead, say, no, Amy, not today, and think, you know what? You know how these stupid computers are. It might have just decided it wanted to send it to the wrong computer instead of sending it to his own, and he's unaware that that has happened. Exactly. So those would have been a reframe I would have taken from the position of, okay, if I'm focusing on him being inconsiderate, but I'm more interested in being a loving and supportive spouse, those thoughts that you just brought forth are where I could have gone. Mm -hmm. He probably 
selected the wrong printer button or it automatically selected the different printer button when he had something to print. Mm -hmm. But it takes that shift to a different space to let go of that original place of focus. And the key there is it can't be done in the moment. It's hard. It it is hard. It's something that we have to think about ahead of time so that we can do it in the moment. You know, we need to constantly be practicing the art of how am I going to manage that monkey mind? How am I going to manage Amy? And when we are journaling, I've talked about what an advocate I am of journaling and you being able to sit down and write out at the end of the day, okay, I had this blow up with my husband today because he did this. I reacted this way, he reacted this way. And when you're journaling that, be able to dissect it and go back and say, how could I have done this different? How will I do this different again in the future? And then you do that when you're in that rational part of your brain. By stepping back and considering that, having that moment that you would do in journaling starts that new pathway Mm -hmm. so that your brain will have something new to attach to to practice. But until you've taken the time to dissect it and look at what happened, you're going to go back to that original, like your line in the sand. Every time you will go back to it because you haven't changed the thought process there. You might find out your husband might say, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do that. It just automatically did it or I hit the wrong button. And then you're like, okay, well this time. But if you haven't taken the time to sit down and digest and go through it, then you don't know how to react differently the next time. Yeah. You have to start that rewiring, building new pathways to grab onto. So when it comes up again, there's at least a formation Mm -hmm. of something to cling to, to have a different response. Mm -hmm. Um, So I do a lot of dissecting my own internal conversations. Like I was just able to dissect the printer scenario And the key is to be able to catch that, that recognizing you're frustrated, recognizing that you are on a path that needs to be dissected and focused on something differently. Well, and I think one of the things when it comes there is is you mentioned a couple of different times using the printer example, you could feel yourself getting frustrated. And I Mm -hmm. think that is our very first cue. Our bodies always react. We have to understand what our physical reactions are. We need to start learning again, that self-awareness. What does my body do? When my body does this, what does it mean? And then by understanding and getting those physical cues, then you're able to say, oh, wait a minute. I'm about to blow because I understand these physical cues. I've identified this means I'm about to have a negative response. And that's where you break that negative cycle, that pattern interruption. No, Amy, not today. And it breaks that chain and you're able to insert something new into it. And inserting may just be what positive can I think of at the moment? What can I say? Because you may not have the words maybe at that time, but you know that Okay, physical reaction means I've got to break the cycle. Break the cycle means I need to think of something more positive. I can't think of anything, so I'm just going to say I need to think of something positive to get your mind kind of in that process. Mm -hmm. And I preach a lot on 
knowing what are your life's intentions. So those can become the go-to moments, such as being a visionary leader, knowing a few of these that at a moment's notice you can grab onto mm-hmm. and say, okay, if I'm going to come behave from a space of well-respected professional, loving and supportive spouse, well, what's my action going to be? Yeah. And that's the beauty of emotional intelligence is being able to live a life of intention and not a life of regret. Absolutely. And that we can. So this is a repeat that people are going to hear from us a lot. And that's the most amazing thing about this concept called emotional intelligence that we, we can change. We do have that elasticity to build new pathways, to rewire. It's not static. And it's just, to me, it's thrilling. Thank you, Lord, it's not static. Yeah. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, you that I am not stuck in this mode, and, that I can be a better person. We are nimble. We can be flexible. We can make these changes. And it's thrilling. And it's just recognizing what are the tools available to us to facilitate the rewiring, facilitate the change. And this is what we're calling self-management. We are managing how we respond in different situations, especially in times of change, conflict, and stress. Amen. Amen. Well, Lori, it was great talking to you today. It has been fun as always. So practical solutions for extraordinary leadership. In learning once they have awareness of themselves, how they can manage those in the future, how they can stop the cycle moving forward and place more positive thoughts into their brain and begin working to rewire and retrain our brains to be better, more positive people in the future. Absolutely. Emotional intelligence is a journey. It's also the gift that keeps on giving. And recognize that we are human. We're going to have these responses and that we can change it. And to take the time to dissect that trigger conversation and developing that practice for pattern disruption and building the new pathways. Excellent. Well, we hope that you enjoyed today's episode and that you'll spend some time actually looking at how you can break that cycle in your emotional intelligence and move forward. So next week, Lori, I think we're going to talk a little bit about empathy. Yes, I think we promised to talk about empathy before it is coming next week. Empathy it is. All right, very good. Well, you go and have a great day. You too, my friend. Thank you for listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, we would so appreciate a review on iTunes. And don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss a single episode. If you're interested in knowing more about our upcoming events or working with one of us personally to transform the way you lead, visit our websites. For Lori King-Taylor, visit trinityperformancesolutions.com. And for Lori Gorell, visit upwardsolutionscc.com. Until next week.